Hello and welcome to Gatsby Fridays, the show about getting the best out of a creative life from two creative directors working around the world and based in New York City. I'm your host, Alex Jamilio. And I'm Sarah Simi. From sitting on a park bench, a cafe, to the halls of your favorite museum, where do you go to recharge? We talk about how the environment's natural or man-made influence our creative process. Let's get into our favorite places that move us in this week's episode, Places and Spaces. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Gatsby, Gatsby Fridays. Fridays. Alex, before we get into the conversation, let's do a check-in. How are you and what are you wearing? I am fantastic. I just I just came back from vacation. I'm feeling that Cali love. And I'm just really, really chill. Um, it was wonderful. I want to get into... Part of what I am going to talk about, uh, about my trip, uh, falls in line with what the episode is. I am wearing a t-shirt that I got while over there, South Bay Skate Shop, which is a like very classic skate shop that is well known in the skating community. And it was like a mecca to go to for skating stuff. So I, w- I had to go there and I got this t-shirt. Where is it? It's in South Bay, Where's in South LA. Bay? Okay. I should also preface, I went to California. <laughs> so, you went to California. You, you went to multiple parts of California. Starting from the, starting and then from also, the north. I mean, I don't know. I lived, in, I lived in Pasadena and I don't, I've never heard of South Bay. It's, so. not, it's not from Pasadena. It's more... I lived in Pasadena, meaning I lived in the LA area and I've never heard of South Bay. So, so many skate shops. So many skate shops. So this was Clearly not in my radar. <laughs> it wasn't your thing. It Unless you secretly yeah. w- was a skater that I didn't no, re- no, no, re- but recognize. I didn't did like the skater boys when I was younger. <laughs> I did. The store was not crowded with people. But <laughs> it's a very it's a very authentic. And also, you forget, like, in L.A., there's just more space. Hmm. So hmm. the skate shops are just bigger. And I'm like, oh, they don't have to be a size of a closet here. They could be big things that carry so many different yeah. varieties of skateboards and skating paraphernalia. Uh, I'm wearing white jeans, and I also bought a pair of Vans out there. Uh, so these are white suede Vans. I love them. I needed a, So we talked earlier about getting our summer style, and I just wanted a clean, classic pair of white. But uh, you were so getting into these, like, you know, trendy 90s, like, high platform, like, three-dimensional sculptural sneakers. Yes. And uh, I always go for these really pared-down, skinny ones. I'm turning into you, Sarah. I'm like, those look like something I would wear. And that's, you know, your sneakers are your thing. I've never, you know, they're never my thing. These, like, these are appropriate they... for the summer, I think. I mean, they, they work with everything. Yeah, very How cool. are you and what are you wearing? Um, I'm stressed out. I have one of those clients that, you know, you wish didn't exist. No, I, I'll take it back. I appreciate that I have the opportunity. I just find it very frustrating when the client doesn't let you run with it. He hired me because I know what I'm doing, but then he doesn't let me do what I know is best. And there's no way of convincing them. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I have a process. They don't. They don't follow mine, but they don't offer a process. So then it's just like kind of they're constantly running in circles and like changing colors a year later. Like it's just, it's been like a little bit like, oh my God. (laughs) But I also, you know, it pays. So... (laughs) Name so that's the, the real name of the game. So it's like, and like, if I can just get like what I want, like it still is a good opportunity. So I'm just kind of like stressing out about that a lot this past month. I'm, I was wearing my like, my Florida sweat, sweatshirt dress that we, I wore it before this year, this summer. 
I call this my Florida because it's a wild animal oh, print. Oh, I see. This okay. is my like Fort Lauderdale <laughs> suburban, <laughs> suburban wine drinking dress, and then um, and then you don't I have, have to the put bright fluorescent nails and the big glasses. Well, <laughs> well, I do have. You do have fluorescent nails. nails. Uh, I just wear indoors, and then I have to put something long sleeve on because I was cold, with the AC on. So now I look like just <laughs> I don't even know what I look like because. This, this you is have not your hot. hair up in a bun. You yes, have a I floppy not, sweater on. I would not <laughs> You're in home come mode. out. Like, yes, I would not be out in public in this outfit. The dress is fine yes. on its own. It's just the, the combination of how I am right now is not my best either, which reflects my mood, I guess. So there we're, that's where we are. Alex. So your experience on your vacation in different spaces inspired this week's topic? Yes. Why is space important to the creative process? I feel like space is, is the first thing that we get the experience to really delve into as designers. Like, it's the first thing that you, that, that you get a sense of what you are and what, what you can bring to the table. As soon as you walk into a space, you know what the feeling is it's going to give you before you even meet the people, before you have a brief, before you, it's all about space. And I just coming back from vacation in California, like it was, it's all about the spaces you occupy there, whether it's the beach, the beach club, houses, different types of houses, all these things influenced how I felt about my creative process. I mean, I'm just rejuvenated because it was a vacation. Yeah. But also the spaces were amazing. I mean, the colors are really different. Yes. It's and called the black sun. Because yes. it also makes all the colors fade if it sits out if in it the sits sun out too long. long. Yes. Not too long. If it just sits out, no more color. I don't know, like everything there's... fades in a way, right? Like I like that always makes me wonder about like, you know, South America where the sun is so much stronger. Mm -hmm. Everything is so much more vibrant in terms of like what people bring like the, in their crafts and their art. So it has to be something with that, like maybe like trying to trying to bring color into what the sun takes away. It's interesting because it's it's different because you you've gone to Miami a handful of times. No, oh, I love Miami. And Miami is so bright, so bright in terms of the mm. the hot sun coming into it. Yes. But also the architecture is super bright, so the environments that you wind up in are very bright, and that's not the case for California. California is, has this very rundown, casual attitude. I. It doesn't speak to my soul, California. Also, the desert has a lot of it. The desert is different. The yes, definitely. There. Yes, the the dustiness. I like that. Um, I like the muted tones. I like muted tones. I just don't. I don't know. California is not my place. It didn't really. It uh, never. California is nice to visit. It doesn't sit in my heart. Um, but uh, the the space. There's so much space, but it's all disconnected space. Like in New York, everything is so compacted into this tight little area. Everything is within reach. Everything is already around you, and you're like you're in the thick of it. Literally, the expression of it. There's like, you but know, when if you, you walk around and you think of a space in New York, do you think New York is overwhelmingly gray though? I don't think about color in New York as much. I guess it doesn't like. It's not. It it has its worn down moments. It has this post-COVID lack of sanitation from the city moments. There's it's always like, you know, stinky summer moments. But I don't think about walking around as if the city's worn down. Because there's always something shiny new. There's always something different. Every, every, the, the, 
this half of the city is always on their scaffolding. It's either mm. renovating or renewing or doing something new. Like, so the renewal process is a lot more like faster in, in New York. It's like a younger cell turnover thing versus like California lives in its own time zone, lives in its own like speed of like against the world and its own reality. Check a little checked out. It, it, it very much is like that. And when I was thinking about New York, I think New York is a lot about texture and the newness of texture. Yes. Like when you go New is the, the newness thing of texture. Yeah. Like I remember us going to the Hudson Yards and like it's felt like another city just rose up on the west side and all these big gleaming towers were there right up against all the oldness of the of the train yards and all this that was going on which is pretty gritty right outside of the hudson yards like yeah but there's also like think about bari and great jones also one below that bond Bond, like Bond Street, it has these like really old Bond buildings. Bond Street is very cool. Yeah, like it has this on the corner. It's Billy Reed now. It's always changing. I think it was some other denim brand for a while. Um, like it's it's cobblestone, but then it also has this Rogan. really old. Yeah, Rogan. That was it. Like it's really old, white, like cream painted old building. Ooh, I love and then there is this super weird, not even cool, uber metal like fluid weird like space age building next to it and like you and it's a wide street it's wider than most like you know and then mm -hmm. there's not that much traffic you sit like i had lunch there t yesterday and i'm sitting there and i'm like this is a beautiful street it's spacious it's new and it's old so new is about new all the time but it's also combining the old with the new but also the old things unless they're really run down in some you know more poverty ridden neighborhoods old is preserved in new york it's still shiny old right like in california everything's run down sun wears it down it's in a like mm. i was so surprised that the freeways were concrete not asphalt because you know in europe everything's asphalt you can't have asphalt in california sun it will always stay wet and liquid it would, it would always it like would always it was be just sticky. like yes it would yes. never dry out like it would always be melty because it would be so hot like it was mine like for me that was such like a Oh, the sun where like kills everything, California. But I have to but tell I'll... you, it, 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 a little bit of a pushback for that is that California still offers some of the brightest colors in my memory are colors from California. That's interesting. Dayglow blue, dayglow yellows, dayglow pinks, all that are California not natural colors in the environment, but California colors that are indicative in my mind of what it represents. Because and I felt culture like, requires, like, like I said about Mexico, like, you know, because if, well, Mexico is also lush in, in terms of greenery, but if, if the sun is so harsh that it's fading the colors away, then people create their own, like, pigments to preserve color. And they overcompensate for color. Yes. So that's, and that's, that's where you that's get why all these, like, And that's so why yeah. Hockney's paintings look the way they do. I mean, he's been living in, in, in California for a long time and his paintings are so vibrant yeah especially his paintings of the pools and when you look at pools and how water reflects from it it's more than just the color of the pool there's all these different colors yeah that are going on in it and that i felt like i, I finally saw that in this trip and that's well, why it re really rejuvenated going me. to a space actually really does um, make you see things differently mm -hmm. that's how i felt in italy because mm -hmm. i never understood modern italian furniture because for me it's like super uber modern and it like it doesn't, overly it, it's never like invitingly comforting and i'm a home person you know like and it's over like italian interior design is so like sleekly modern 
but you know like Italian lifestyle is has that texture and and flavor to it and I didn't understand it until I went to Italy and I saw the buildings the buildings are so old but they value their history so much that they will never like you know have what I saw on Bond Street yesterday where it's like an uber like they actually bring the modern inside so they keep it inside yes. yes so so it creates a contrast with the old building which is a super super modern furniture on the inside like mm. so that is I, I was that for me that was one thing and then and the influence of Dolce & Gabbana and seeing that in the Fuzzy Museum was I was like see where all that's coming from now like Versace they, and the Dolce & Gabbana golds those those golds come from all of the all of the like the the religious paintings yes all the gilding yeah. that's in the religious paintings yeah. and all that. Yeah. And I mean, they're not the only ones from that religion, but like they're the Italian fashion is the one that brought that forward to that extent that I am such a pop culture and I'm also from a Muslim country. The first time that I saw these museums is the first time I understood where, why, where they got that from. Mm. Because I didn't, you know, like I didn't grow up going to churches. It didn't resonate with me when I was looking at the fashion side of it. Oh, I see. Oh, that's interesting. Because yes, when it, when you talk about it that way, and I see the gilding that's on the on, on these old frescoes or on these old uh, triptychs that that go on there, I could see where the influence comes into. But I didn't associate, for example, Dolce and Gabbana, pulling that old heritage and remixing it into the new way. But that is the quintessential notion of what they do. And that is that's, like, but I if just... I never went to like that, the, so the space. But I saw, I saw these paintings. I didn't need someone to say, like you know, in art history class, like this is where they got it from, right? Mm -hmm. I had to go to Venice to the Fizzy Museum and then see these paintings in place, that's and not, then be not like, bad. just seeing Rome. I, like I thought in music, like in movies, it's not as as dusty. Rome was mm. a little dustier, you know, when you see it mm. in person. Rome is dusty. So like that, that's when I was like, oh my God, that's why the furniture is so bright and shiny because it has to contrast it somehow. Like they have to find something to like create like a, a tension in, in the spaces they live because they're so also such creative visual culture, right? Like anyway, so the, the spaces that you go to, like you, your feelings about California, like it's, it's inspiring because if you don't go, you won't make those associations. You have to be there physically in body to catch that. Well, you were there, and you lived there for a few years. I lived there, but that and was it was and 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 you know we we've gone over the fact that you've gone to school there at Art Center, yeah. but did you feel like I guess did you feel like you got to experience some of that California that is so iconic and so well known in terms of of course the I mean, color seen... and the texture and the feeling I of was, California. I of course I experienced California specifically for what it LA, is. but. Um, yeah, specifically LA, because like, I mean, I live in Pasadena because school was there, but also I went to art school, so it's different. Art school is, you know, you're, you're expected to be quirky and not the... the but Art Center was modern. It looks it looked modern. It's super modern. I'm saying like super modern, but alternative. I didn't say hippie. Hmm. You're alternative against the Hollywood, you know, Paris Hilton culture, especially like in 2006, Paris Hilton was the thing and Brittany was shaving her head. So hmm. when I, when I got to California, so like living in that being existing in that space alongside of that culture where that is rooted from, I was treated a little more, you're too ditzy, you're too like into your hair and your stuff. I wasn't, oh, I wasn't artsy I enough huh. for the, for the, you know, for the school. Artists. Yeah, I wasn't artsy enough for the artists, which I don't, you know, like at that age, even then I didn't care. It didn't make me stop doing what I was doing. <laughs> I just noticed that thing. 
Um, but California has its own, um, I didn't live the way I would if I wasn't in school. So my, my assessment of California also was pretty uber, so I think I would have had a much better, <laughs> I, I think I would hate it a little less if I, if I lived post uber. Yeah. So, but just from that perspective, the, the distances didn't sit well with me. Like mm. everything, everything is so far away. Everything is so disconnected. And I felt like I was living in a concrete box. I was putting my body in a metal box to get to a place that's also a concrete box to, to see people so that I could put myself alone in a metal box so then that can take me to my alone concrete mm, box. Like, it was a very, like, it was a very disconnected place. In New York, I never felt that lonely. And I I'm could, an only child and I like my only time. I could understand that there, definitely. I feel like the, the difference between our experiences is that I was there on vacation. Yes, I, I like visiting see, California. And I got to see a lot of different places and I got to see a lot of contrast. Like, even the places that were run down, uh, you know, Inglewood or Long Beach were still had texture that I was interested oh, in because I mean, it reminded me a lot about the way I grew up and how Brooklyn felt at that time. But yeah. the other places uh, that were more lush and there was and there is a lot of lushness yeah. if you know how to maintain your your <laughs> your, your 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 grounds. Water is at a premium, of course. That's so my that, point. Like so you can definitely tell who's wealthy and who's not yeah. because of the lushness of their properties. Because the sun will kill everything else if you don't work. Sarah, your work environment has an effect on your creativity, for the better or for worse. What are some examples of both? The better is usually being around people. Mm -hmm. For me, personally, as much of an introvert as I am. Um, the worst is, oh God, I do not miss the air conditioning in the office spaces. I used to have a heater under my desk. I had fingerless gloves. I was in pain my entire career. And I thought when I would open my own office, I would be able to circumvent that. No, because I didn't rent my own like flat. I I like I didn't have this like whole like floor to myself. I rented from space. a co-working space, which meant again, yeah, central AC. There was an article in New York Times saying that um, extra like the, the, the temperature is determined by what the men in suits needed in the 50s. And it hasn't changed since. Those, mm. that, those standards are set to that. And it has a negative impact on women's creativity and output. And I felt so seen when I saw that article. Like, I felt like, oh my God, this whole time, like, I thought that I was just in misery for no reason and I can't do this. It's a very American concept to have, to have it colder on the inside, the hotter it is outside. Mm -hmm. In Europe, it's more like, you know, it's hot outside, We'll just make it like a normal degree inside like that temp the temperature thing just really gets to me so like i don't care what the space looks like or feels like as soon as like i walk in it doesn't matter where i work like my my creativity stops my brain stops yes. like self-preservation literally like, my whole body, body shuts down so like on the from a negative perspective in terms of like flow of like the space being inspiring I mean, I the the studio that we met, um, branding studio we met on like, it is about Astor Wines in New mm -hmm. York, um, and that place it used to be about Serafina for the longest time, 
and um, that space is high ceilings and it's like the old elevator that used to break but that had the brass buttons you come off and then the elevators open. I remember being like when I came for the interview the doors open and then Into I stepped the out and then I was like oh my god I belong here <laughs> like the white columns it's like the the heart like the hardwood floors high ceilings gigantic like downtown New York windows really yeah. deep window sills it's just the space is so beautiful and like they really leveraged that space well back then like we had all this like little setups for each brand like immersive experiences for the brands so, like you didn't just look at like pdfs or printed like staple things like you would they walk into a space if there was a book that that was the entirety of the project that book was still presented to you in an environmental corner that was designed just for that and, um, and I mean, that's one of my biggest learning experiences. That's how I built my like grad show. I had, I, I didn't even think about it. It was so ingrained in me. I, I worked in that space for four years, but that space was incredible. I feel like there's two ways of thinking about space in, in this time because of the quarantine and the pandemic. And also the whole notion of just what offices are. There's the, there's the whole perspective that these large open planned environments are not conducive anymore to the creative process because there's just too there's just too much noise going on in a space and people want to actually close themselves off so now there's this push for uh single uh single offices or single yeah, or single I, team offices know, i can't tell about that i you like know. the privacy aspect of it but i also flourished in that space and it was open and i got to sit next to anyone and i because I wasn't one of those senior designers, I didn't have a dedicated desk, so I was moved around a lot, so I got to sit with different people, and I learned so much. For, for someone that, at that level, as like a first job out of college in a creative studio, that was very, very positive experience for me. But I also understand that if I'm like a senior designer, where I'm like tasked to create a series of logos and then there's like an intern sitting next to me asking me all these questions like how do you do that I probably would just be like just I gotta work kid leave me alone like let me close my door like maybe I don't know like I like so I think my private office is like I've been once I started on my own it became my private office my apartment so like I, I, I appreciate that and I don't like other people in it when I'm working because they talk. Yes, and I feel like the open the open plan environment is something that's kind of going down, going by the wayside. But I also work in environments where it was closed off uh, team offices, where you were in an environment mm -hmm. with your own team, and you could actually develop your own space and your own world within that within I the mean, confines Redken of that office. Like and that. I thought I thought that that worked. For, I mean, when I was at Redken, imagine me. like a very corporate office. Only the designers were allowed to wear sneakers. The rest of the marketing team are allowed casual Fridays, still no sneakers on Fridays. So like we were definitely like a different crew there and they didn't want to like put the creatives into this like, you know, dress code or whatever. They knew that creatives knew to be creatives, mm. like what? run wild kind of thing. But I also like, I don't know, like I, I, I made friends there. I, I talked to a lot of people, I remember, but I don't know, I didn't like... Do you really think that you need to be wearing a suit to perform your job better? You know? You're asking someone who's a fashion person. I know. And I think clothes totally influence your mood. Yes, they and do. And who you are in the That's hierarchy of, of whatever it, uh, structure you're in. And clothes have an effect. So if you're someone who oh, needs no, to I wear won't. a suit because of the circumstances of your work, yes, I think so, yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that the marketing guy who was doing things needed to not wear sneakers. You know what I mean? Like, it, it did, did it really make him a better marketer because he wore leather shoes? Like, that corp, like, because that's, like, I never had to really, that, that's my, that's the extent of my corporate experience. So for me, that's just, like, it's not necessary. Like, it's too, it's, don't try to control every aspect of people. Just let them be who they are if they're good. Have a certain dress code. I, I mean, you know, I've also seen, like, you know, at Black Book where there was no dress code per se, <laughs> even though I was still not allowed to wear my yoga pants uh, to work. Um, Thank goodness. Like, no, like, <laughs> I'm that's, sorry. that's fair. I'm saying, Thank like, goodness. that's fair, but, like, you know, also, like, you know, because it's, like, you know, editors and designers and photographers and fashion, like, directors and all, like, it's a very creative bunch um, along with marketers and this and that. So, like, you know, everybody wore what they wore, but there were people that would, you know, take it all to a bunch. And then I'd be like, you know, like, you can't really complain if they're not taking you seriously if you don't, like, at least show some sort of professionalism. But you also but that have clients coming in, right? And no. meeting with people? Not really. Okay. Salespeople did their own thing. Like, it was okay. different. Like, so, I understand the required, like, I, I, I am for a dress code to a certain degree. I just feel like, you know, like, controlling it to a certain degree, like, separating us from the marketers on top of physically separating us. I don't think that was very convincing. Okay, maybe that's not necessary. So let's talk like about... Like, if I didn't already want to make friends with people to wander around, like, to talk to them, like, the marketing guy that I used to work with, and then there was the other guy that was like, whatever. Like, I made friends with people because I was... Like, I had work to do with them, but then I also was just, like, you know, trying to be nice because I was there for, like, very few days of the week. Mm. But other than that, like, the space was cold, fluorescent lighting... My grad school studio was like that too. Concrete and cross and writing. It's That's just like... never conducive to creativity. It's like it kills your spirit. It's not natural. So let me ask you this. Now that we... Just to switch focus a little bit. Now that we are in the... Are, are, have experienced last year and ex- experienced the pandemic and a lot of us had to work from home and you've had to work from home and home is your office space. Is there a way that you separate those two things? Do you separate home from how you have to work no but i i, I didn't that didn't come with quarantine with to me the rest of the world caught up with me i was yes. only doing that yes uh but i was also doing that like at, at spin before i started on my own like on certain days i would be like listen i have too much to do just let me work from home and like every now and then they would let me and i would be so grateful because the idea of like putting clothes on doing my hair to be professionally represented like presentable and then i get there and then it takes time to concentrate again, and then I'm in this really uncomfortably cold and fluorescent lighted space, and then and then at like five I I want to leave and go home, and then it's like you know wasting so much time. So for me, I was like, if I have eight hours solid work to do, let me just do it from home because I will hit my computer sooner than I would get to the office. Like I wake up, go work out, quick shower, and I don't have to do any of the other stuff to get working. Mm-hmm. You get more work out of me that way. Which is why people started complaining in quarantine because that was just kind of like, you know, work became too blended in. But for me, because I work for myself and I have multiple clients that I balance, like my, my mornings are mine. I start the day late. I started work day late because I also don't know what else to do with myself at night. So, you know. So you might as well just be working. I mean, when I watch TV, I might as well be working, depending on the kind of work that I do. But, like, you know, I get my stuff done in the morning. I do my workouts. I do my little, like, errands. I do whatever. But then, you know, like, at noon, I start working. I don't 
I try, I, I mentioned this before, like I try to leave my mornings away from client talk. Yeah. I remember one of my clients, like that. he would be like, let's get on a call. And I'd be like, anytime after two, whenever you want. And I, he eventually he picked up on him. He's like, do you, do you just focus on work in the mornings? I was like, just work. <laughs> like, just work. I work in the mornings. Because for him, it was just like, I'm like, he couldn't even comprehend that I wouldn't start work that early because he also leaves work and leaves it in the office and then goes home. Yes. I'm already home. Like, for me, it was just like, but I like that flexibility. And See, I also am one of those people that I don't know inexplicably that I, I'm more productive late at night than early in the day. For me, it's different. I, I think because of the quarantine and when I was uh, tasked to work from home, just because of all my home responsibilities, I had to make sure I started separating the space. And I am fortunate to live in a city and live in a house where I could separate my office from the rest of the house mm. and had a physical door to close in order to block off any other influences but I that I have need. no one else here. If I, I had else. other people, I, that would be a problem. Yeah. Probably, probably. So it was. So I, in a way, I needed to make sure I got up every morning and made sure that I had my own personal space headspace also physical space to walk into so and and all of my stuff was set up the way i needed it set up in my home office to be conducive to work but after a while even that started getting old and my kids just started coming into the room anyway and it helped to be in an office because i felt once i'm in an office and my chair is slightly more rigid i felt like <laughs> work could be done because nah. i am there and my chair for some reason was slightly uncomfortable no. i needed to get it done so I can leave it there, and I and I, I like that. I I understand the benefit of leaving it for me. Like if I have to do this for eight solid hours, I need to be sitting on the most comfortable thing possible. Like I don't want to be sitting in a slightly rigid thing. I want to sit on the most comfortable couch that I can put my butt on, and then I can work nonstop, and I will get such great workout. Like the concentration, like the. I don't cook on the days that I have that level of work. Mm. I like I put on certain things on the TV just to keep a certain level of light and noise to keep it concentrated, like to keep things moving. So I'm, it's not completely dead silent here. Yes. But it's also nothing that you want to watch. Like I wouldn't put on a new movie. It's just like things Something in the back. Something you have to focus yeah, on. Yeah, and it's yes. funny. Your aunt mentioned that she does the same thing too, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's like so funny. I create that kind of space, but that's because I know what needs to be done. If I need to be creative and I come up with ideas, if I want to procrastinate, I but I can also do that anywhere. Yes. Right. So like for me, but like when I actually have to get real work done, it needs to be extremely comfortable. That's why I don't like the yoga pants, comfortable couch, and then you will get the most work out of me. And I feel and late at night on the on the other side, in 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 almost sharp contrast to you. I enjoy getting out of my house, going on my commute, because during during the process of my commute, I have time to myself, I have time to take my notes, I have time to... You also kind of, commute for hours. <laughs> well, I commute an hour each way, so it gives me two hours to catch up on my reading or catch up on, on, on the news or whatever it is that I kind of need to hone in to get myself prepared for work, so when I get into the office, I hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I think that works... That works well for me in my process. I need to be like away from people. But then certain types of work, I need to be around people. Yes. And I think for me, someone who's an introvert, someone who avoids social occasions <laughs> as much as I can, like there's there's a lot of articles written up about this in, in, in relation to like coming out of the quarantine is people with social anxiety were so happy. <laughs> like, and I, 
it wasn't like extremely happy, but I felt the comfort of that, like being in my own space because it's my space. But now that I no longer have to be in my own space, even though I have a much better apartment, I love the space even more. I think this is my favorite place I've lived in in a very long time. I want to be out all the time. I did not see that coming. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Being out around is is something that I've avoided for years. Like, I, with the guilt of turning event, like, you know, t- turning invites down. And now I'm like, oh, let's rave, think, and, you, rave outside in Brooklyn. Okay, let's go again. You like, think that's just a result of yeah, that's just a, being cooped up for too long? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because for me, like, I think because I was expected to go to places, I hate it. I, I don't like being told what to do. That always, like, just clearly in a cellular level creates this reaction. I think now that I was told to stay in, which, you know, as a responsible adult, I did. I dealt with it it perfectly (laughs) fine until it was over. And then I lost it, which is, I think it was just like a survival mode. But it didn't, like, bother me while I was in it. Now I'm like, oh, my God, any excuse not to stay home, which is still not like me. But so spaces being around people is I think it's the physical construct of the space, but also that you're surrounded by people. That's what I didn't like about California. That's what I like about New York. It's like I need people around. When we get back, we'll continue our conversation. This is Gatsby Fridays. So Alex, we talked about places we've been, mm-hmm. talked about we worked in. What places do you want to visit to boost your creative energy and why? So this is, the, I love this question because there's so many places I would love to go and I would love to visit, but I'll, I'll put it in two parts. I'll put it in the part where it's more emotional in, in a space. So we were talking earlier about being at the Dia Beacon and being inside that environment. And I think what made that work was the relationship between nature and the interior and the interior not to say it was as big as nature but it was a big interior and it was spacious and it was hollow and it just felt on top of it being a museum of art it felt that it was a great creative space for art the interior space then it was built to be a factory it was, but initially it was built to be a factory and they repurposed it to be the, a series of galleries for, for artists who were inspired by nature. So getting now to the outside of the space and you walk the grounds and you see the, the, the manicured uh, uh, hedges and stuff, that's also conducive to the creative process because you are now outside and experiencing what the artists have intended but on the outside of the space. Now, speaking from a larger perspective I love dense cities and we were talking earlier about this and I just love the energy and the excitement and the color of Tokyo I would love to go back there I've been there a handful of times and every time I go back there it's new it's different it's exciting it just gets me going again so I would say I would say Tokyo and uh, Dia Beacon what about you what would be I mean, your Dia total is a, space Dia has a whole special place in my heart it's mm. such a unexpected surprise for me the first time I went there um but I grew up in a city too like Mm. I I I remember when I went to college in New Orleans you had to call a cab you couldn't hail one it was illegal they would they were not allowed to stop and pick you up which now you know older older woman like for safety reasons I get that in New Orleans but I am also thinking that like 
I grew up in a city where, like, I need to be able to live in a place where I lift my hand up and a car stops. Like, hail a cab is a city concept uh, and a dense city concept. Like, you can't have it in the New Orleans suburbs kind of thing. Um, But given that, I also grew up very, very uh, unusual for growing up in Istanbul in a house with a backyard. But I'm not, I'm talking about, like, you know, three layers of gardens, like by the water like it was it was like a magical like fairy tale house mm. so i grew up in a lot of greens somehow like okay. it's very un- unusual for istanbul and i miss i think that's what makes me want to like when i want to go travel i i don't want to go to another city i already live in one i choose to live in one i thrive in one i need to live that way but when i leave it the places i need to go need to have nature the little trips that I've taken for me, Charleston. Charleston is a beautiful Charleston city. Charleston is very beautiful and quaint. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that the I color. remember is is the lush. Oh. I always respond yeah. to the lush, right? So, um, Mexico City. Is, if you haven't <laughs> listened to the previous episodes, if I haven't read <laughs> enough about it, for me, like, I, and I haven't been that many times either. Like, I've been very few times, but I the first time I wanted to go see the Baragon House. But it's appointment only, and I didn't know that. So, and I thought, you know, in a very, like, well, maybe there'll be free tickets, you know, like if someone didn't show up. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it like, works like that. Who's there? Look, I didn't realize it was appointment only, but then, you know, when you're there, you ask, like, is, is there any chance? They're like, no, absolutely not. It's like booked weeks in advance, kind of thing. You're like, damn it. But right next door to it, there's a pl- this there's this place called the Design Archives. Oh yeah. Um, I have two posters right here yeah. sitting in front of Archivo. And the first time that I was there, they had a... The show was about Hotel uh, Comune Real, which is kind of uh, about the Olympics and Lance Wyman, who did the Olympics logo for Mexico. Like, oh, whatever. that's the, the very so, iconic like, Olympic logo. Yeah, so like there was, it was a gallery about that, like, and it was just very inspiring. And then they had all these like, Coke bottle, like packaging, well, like, you know bottles mm. like you know mexican coke is a thing in its own oh, and it's all, a, yeah. all on what's in it because they, they of use the, the real cane sugar exactly right. so like the the ingredients are different there but also like the packaging of the, the sodas and all the stuff so like it was a very like design nerd space and i i just like found it by that way but the thing about the, i love about that space is the backyard hmm. it's just like a tiny little backyard with all of the greens all of this like it's like a wild backyard the kind that I grew up in. Yes. So, like, it's almost like, you know, Great Expectations, Paradiso Perduto, or like, or like, you know. Just wild growing grass. I mean, it's clearly, like, maintained to a certain level. It's not, like, completely mad, but that green, like, I, I just keep thinking, like, I just want to sit there. I just want to sit there for hours. Mm. And that's how we feel about the parks in Mexico City, too. Like, there's so many greens. And so, where I want to go, I've already seen that. So, I want to go to Brazil. I want to see the parts of Brazil where it's, like, up in the mountains. Well, it's more green. Be, it's more green. Like, yes. I want to be, like, where you can have access to the water, but, like, you also have this jungle behind you. Like, oh, wow. lush and the airiness of the ocean. And and see what people have done in terms of structures there. I'm not an architect. I'm not interested in architecture. But I've also, like, we've talked about in terms of our books. The types of books that I buy are no longer logos or photographs. It's more about people 
who what they've done with space yes. what with physical spaces that we built ourselves ironically living in a rental shoebox in new york city it's just kind of maybe that's why i'm so like drawn to this stuff but like i want to see brazil i want to see like there's something about brazil and like the 80s and 70s and the 50s and yes. 70s where they were doing like such like modern architecture and like in the mountains and all stuff so like and you want the lushness I want the lushness. I need to be, if I'm going on vacation, I don't need to go another concrete vacation. I already live in the concrete. I need to bring my, take myself out of this to have a break from this because I choose to live here. I love it here. Yes. So like that. I'm picking up on Charleston and I understand uh, the feeling that you get because I've been there and I recognize not only the lushness, but all the color. Yeah. Especially Charleston, Charleston proper. Such course, a right? manicured. It's, it's manicured lushness. And you but, want wild jungle lushness. No, see, manicured lushness, the houses are manicured. But the there's a way to garden, and it's a very American way to garden, I thought. But it's also, like, in other places, too. Like, it's I'm not talking about, like, English, like, extremely perfectly clipped. Super manicured and uh, like, measured. There's a way. California does this really well, too. And a, a little bit, a little looser than most, maybe. But you have to tend to the garden. Otherwise, it'll either die or go insane. Right, so th there's a way to do that in a way that you let nature take its course without controlling it too much, and then you create your own space within it. Like, I mean, is, isn't that what whole Frank Lloyd Wright falling water was a big deal because he built the fought, like waterfall into the house instead of putting it across re from it, the like, landscape to yeah, like, or yeah. put the house against it, yes. like to watch it, like if you want it, like. There's a way to live within the nature, in nature, without disrupting it. So, like, you have to, of course, like, you know, control it in a way. There's, like, so many articles and, like, gardens and around the world that you can see this stuff. I mean, thank God for Instagram because, like, <laughs> other, than, we get our other, news? other than dog content, I have a lot of this stuff <laughs> eating. Like, so, like, that's what I, you know, like, I want to be around this, like, lush, lush spaces. I still need my indoor plumbing and my, you know, like hot water and my, you know, clean deck. comforts, yes. I don't need to be like, you know, intermingling with the bugs that live in the lush. But I do want yeah, to be where gonna the That's what's going to happen lush. if you get into the lushness. Well, yeah, but then you know you have your citronella and you get nuts around your bed and you can figure it out. Like it's, but I still want to be like, you know, that's what I like crave, I think. It's because I'm so deprived of it in the city. And now for our favorite part of this and every episode, our signature cocktail. Alex, what are we drinking today? So we were thinking about the theme of spaces and environments. And I was thinking what better way to kind of embody this than to put together a to-go package where you could have in any space and in any environment. So I thought... Not, not unlike how we carried our beautiful bottle of mezcal to the Dia Beacon. That, that, was, that was extraordinary. That was a really... That was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. If you missed that on that episode, that go big, back. That was a big bottle, though, to carry around. And oh, then, yeah, that was not And then easy. we figured out, oh, we should have maybe drank some of this before we had to carry a full bottle around. But for this, uh, for this week, I decided to do something that was packable, and I'm calling it Oro Nuevo, which means new gold. And it's a very simple cocktail. It only involves three pieces, three components to put it together. A bourbon, a honey syrup, which you kind of have to pre-make. Uh, so all it is, it's a liquid, liquefied honey. And uh, your rocks glass, uh, your, your shaker full of ice. And lemon juice. So you pack all these things together, go out to wherever you want to go. Whether or not they have spaces for you to drink, that's, that's be, uh, beside the point. 
All you have to do is combine all of these ingredients, the bourbon, uh, one part's bourbon, two parts bourbon, two parts of the, of the honey uh, syrup, and your lemon juice into a shaker. Shake it for about 10 seconds, pour it into a glass over rocks. What made it special for us and what we did is we added a lemon twist to it. Yeah, that was very nice. And that was that was very, very lovely. It's uh, it, I would say I like it a little bit more on the watered down side than the first than the first round of the drinks that we had, but it was absolutely delicious. Inspired by our gold rush in the California. Yes. <laughs> California shores. Yes. You got the reference. Good. Of course I do. <laughs> Thank you for hanging with us for a list of the resources mentioned in this episode. Hop onto our site, GatsbyFridays.com. You can find the recipe for Oro Nuevo on our website, GatsbyFridays.com. For show notes, or if you want to leave a comment, suggest a show topic, get at us on our site. Don't forget to rate us and give us five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get us in front of more ears and build our audience. Or if you're a Spotify person, make sure to follow Gatsby Fridays. Follow us on Instagram for exclusive content like Alex making this week's cocktail on our Insta stories throughout the week. Till next week, stay with us. This This is is Gatsby Gatsby Fridays. Fridays.